Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. It was a good night in the system last night. The Dodgers, when you look at the five different teams, they went 3-2 and two and they got the big win at the top with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So anytime you can have a winning record and get the cherry on top by getting the one win that you, win the mo- uh, that you want the most at the top at the major league level, always a good night, so a busy night in the system, so a lot to cover in today's show. But before we do, hey, just a reminder, we, now, we are now looking for corporate sponsors to this show. So if you'd like to sponsor Dodgers Daily or the website or anything that we do here at Dodgers Daily, just DM me, leave a message. You can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com, and I'll give you further details on how you could become a sponsor for Dodgers Daily. Also, hey, keep leaving comments, keep liking these videos, keep interacting with these videos, keep sharing these videos, and make sure that your notifications are turned on. So, again, another night, a, a good night in the system. Oklahoma City lost, Great Lakes lost, but then Tulsa Rancho, they won their games. And then, obviously, you had the big win with Bobby Miller pitching so well. Him and Ryan Yarbrough last night. The offense was very balanced again. So, a good night. So, a lot to get to. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. And let's talk Dodgers baseball. So, the Dodgers win 6-2 to last night. They moved to 72-46 and on the season, which is just unbelievable. If you go back just a month ago, I know Austin hit on this the last show. The Dodgers and the D-backs and the Giants. The Giants are playing great. D-backs had had a good season to that point. We thought it was going to go real tight all the way down to the stretch. And it still may, but that's not what the indicators are saying. The Dodgers are 9-1 and in their last 10 games. Meanwhile, the Giants, the Padres, and the D-backs, they are 3-7 and in their last 10. So it's been a combination of the teams below you not playing as well at a part in the season to where the Dodgers have really caught fire and Mentioned this even, you know, way back before the All-Star break that the the Dodgers need to treat those games, those very difficult games that they had. Remember, they had the three-game, you know, the three-city road trip, if you will. They had a very tough stretch, and they were not in first place. And mentioned a couple of different times, needed to treat that stretch of games like it was a playoff scenario to get back into first place. The Dodgers did that. As a matter of fact, they even pitched Evan Phillips in three nights back-to-back, which was very controversial, especially considering that Evan Phillips threw against Kansas City when he didn't really have to. Doc tried to keep him just kind of in a rhythm, didn't want to give him too many days off. So the Dodgers did that. That was definitely, you know, just kind of setting a tone. That was a bigger picture move in the sense that Doc was saying, hey, these games are very serious. We need to kick it in gear. We're going to play this like it's a playoff scenario and, and get some momentum going into the second half of which the schedule favored the Dodgers. Mentioned that a couple different times that we're coming out of the break. The schedule was going to favor the, favor the Dodgers. You could make some hay. That's all on paper. But what's been put on paper as far as the schedule goes with the second half has actually come true on the field as well. And the Dodgers have done nothing but zoom into a nine-game lead into the NL West, which is absolutely fantastic. And last night, Help that cause as they won 6-2 to two over a very good Milwaukee team, a playoff caliber type team. So that was a great win. And wanted to start today's show by congratulating Gus Varland, who got brought up. Jake Marisnik got put on the 60-day IL. We know Joe Kelly got put on the IL, who that type of role is going to be who Gus Varland replaces on it, not, not necessarily replaces him on the 26, but replaces his role. So, Gus, what a cool dude. Okay, his brother Louie is with Minnesota, and they grew up in the Minnesota 
area. And, and Louie, actually, Wichita, the, the wind, surge, wind surge, is the AA affiliates of the Minnesota Twins. And going back to last year, Gus Farland was a starter. And the AA Tulsa Drillers started their season in Wichita. And guess who is on that roster? His brother, Louie. And Gus and Louie actually faced each other. Louie was the starter for Wichita. Gus was the starter for Tulsa. Gus got the better of that game, Louie being the younger brother. But Louie, actually, he was the, the minor league pitcher of the year for the Minnesota Twins in 2021. He actually got promoted to the major leagues last year. So Louie is just a fantastic pitcher. And then Gus got, uh, shortly after that, Gus got moved to the bullpen, which was an interesting move for him, a good move, it turns out, because he took that 94, 95, 96 fastball he upticked it, knowing he only had to throw one inning, and now he's you know he's touching 98 consistently. I've posted that several different times on social media with a very good slider, and you know hey that's very good ride to the zone because the vertical and horizontal movement hasn't been a whole lot, so he's been able to carry the top of that zone, and so his stuff has been major league caliber for quite a while now. Now let me tell you the story. He got Rule Five last year. Milwaukee, actually, the team that he got to, you know, that he's going to face for the first time if he gets into a game in this series. He went scoreless in his first five innings, or excuse me, five first five outings. He gave up only two runs in his first seven outings, and he only had eight outings total. Okay, so he got hurt, then he came back, and then he believe I believe he gave up like seven runs in two-thirds of an inning in his eighth outing, and that one outing really skewed his ERA. Now, you can't just ignore that eighth outing because it did happen. But just having said, I wanted to, to give context to the fact that at that time, they weren't exactly sure about his health. They went ahead and gave him back to the Dodgers. The Dodgers took him. They tweaked some of his mechanics. They got him back into the type of pitch mix that he is the most comfortable with which is the riding four seam and the slider and all that. And because of that, he really took off, and he's had just a tremendous season with AAA Oklahoma City, and now he's getting called back up. So congratulations to him. Both him and his brother went to Concordia St. Paul, a Division II school, baseball school there in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Their coach, Lunch McKenzie, I know is very proud of them, so congratulations to Gus Varlin. Also, congratulations to Ryan Pepio, who is the minor league pitcher of the week for the PCL. Ryan Pepio had six perfect innings on Sunday, took a perfect game into the seventh, gave up a base hit to begin the seventh, eventually got two guys on, but yet gave up absolutely no runs. Pepio, on the day, he struck out 10 and walked nobody. So it was a fantastic outing for Ryan Pepio. I would have to think, of course, you know, they'd have to be creative as far as who they who replaced on the 26-man roster. But I would have to think the way that he is pitching, he's showing length and dominance. He's showing keeping the ball in the zone while keeping the, the, the swing and miss type stuff. I would have to think that, especially if the Dodgers keep a lead like a nine-game lead, he will be the next guy that is imminent to get a good shot and a good look at the major league level to work in several different roles. He can extend. He can be a starter if you need that. And I've talked about this a couple different times. He could be a piggyback guy that gives the bulk innings. He could be a guy that could be high leverage at the back end. So 
Any different role that you need Ryan Pepio, he will obviously be game for that. I, I talked to him, actually, in an interview before the season and asked him about that. Hey, just get me on the field in any way I can, and he would accept all of that. Okay, so last night, how about, you know, the, the offense, just good enough. They scored six times, and the thing about it is they only had two extra base hits. J.D. Martinez, and I can't remember what the second double was. I'm having blanks right now. But the Dodgers had two extra base hits. Last night, that was it on their route to a 6-2 win, and it was one of those pitchers' duels until the Dodgers were able to open it up there in the later innings and win 6-2. Ten hits to get their six runs, and eight different players had hits last night. So another team effort offensively, another just kind of grinder. You know, the pitching-wise, you held the, the Brewers there until the offense could catch up something that the offense did, and four different players had RBIs last night. So it was a, you know, the offense was spread out, and that's when you're going to win games like this that, that aren't just explosions offensively, you know, kind of pitching duels, and then, then you score enough to win. Typically speaking, it's going to get spread out if you're going to win like that, and you're going to put just a single rally together with multiple people to get that rally done. So that was fantastic. Uh, Jason Hayward actually had that. That double, that was the 16th double of the season. J.D. Martinez had the second double, his 23rd double of the year. In the sixth inning, okay, six players had hits. That was the inning the, the Dodgers put the, the crooked number on the board. Six different players had hits in the sixth inning, and seven players, seven players reached base, and obviously the Dodgers batted around. So, you know, just a great team effort to create a rally, not just a bloop and a blast but a rally, which is very fun to watch. And for the clubhouse, man, and for the dugout, that's just so fun whenever you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a whole team rally like that and scoring to win games. Dodgers, third in run scored in all of baseball behind Texas and behind uh, the Atlanta Braves. So obviously now they're second in the National League in run scored. They're also third in OPS behind both of those teams as well. And they're second in the National League and second in the Major Leagues in home runs. And that's also behind the Atlanta Braves, which, hey, hopefully this can continue to be a crash course. It looks like the two best teams in the National League are the Dodgers and the Braves. So that'll be an interesting, you know, I talked about that pack as far as the wild card. Another thing to watch who's going to have home field advantage all the way through the playoffs. That will be an interesting scenario to watch as well as we continue to go through. Coming into last night, uh, the Dodgers led the league, believe this or not. This surprised me whenever they, they showed this on the broadcast. Coming into last night, the Dodgers led the league and would, uh, in batting average with runners in scoring position at 277. That surprised me. I, I would not have thought that. And like I said, led the league in batting average at 277 with runners in scoring position. Okay, to the pitching. Bobby Miller. How about his five pitches last night? How about the four seam? That hey, I've said this about Bobby Miller many different times. He's absolutely at his best when his four seam averages about 98 because he's in zone with it more and the ball gets a little bit more movement last night. That's exactly what he averaged on his four seam. You know, when he's averaging 100, it has a tendency to straighten out. He pulls it to the glove side a little bit more, and because of that, he gets behind in a, in a few more counts, and then he has to serve up a few more fastballs that get hit and or that ball flattens out on the glove side of the plate, and that ball gets hit as well. So Bobby Miller averaged 98 miles an hour 
And his curveball, hey, his curveball got hit the hardest last night. That was the pitch that he threw the second most. But again, it was in the zone. It was another one of those strike pitches. Hey, here's the pitch with a bunch of movement on it. See if you can hit it. I'm just going to flip it in the zone. He threw it in the zone 68% of the time. So although it was the hardest hit pitch that he threw, being the second most of any pitch he threw, it still made it very effective because he sandwiched that between a four seam that he was throwing at average of 98 and a sinker at 98. So that made that curveball, although, like I said, it got hit some, that still made that curveball such an effective pitch for him. His slider, again, had 41 inches of vertical break to it. And not only did it have 41 inches of break, he was able to throw it for a strike in zone 50% of the time, which is absolutely amazing. His slider actually touched 100.6, and it had 16 and 17 on the movement. That's another thing, 16 vertical, 17 horizontal. When you have that type of equal movement as far as your vertical drop and your horizontal movement, that makes your pitches a lot more predictable for you to be able to control. That's why Bobby Miller is having so much success right now because on the 16 and 17 movement, it's so predictable for him, he's able to control that a lot better. And that's why we're seeing such, you know, one of the biggest reasons, obviously, the talent it's elite. And so Bobby Miller has been just absolutely fantastic. He is now 7-2 and two on the season. He went six innings last night, gave up just one run, had four strikeouts and one walk. So there you go. It's not just the big stuff. It's not like he's striking everybody out. This guy is not just 100 miles an hour. He is pitching with five pitches. He's sandwiching curveballs in, in between his two different types of fastballs. Just one walk and just one hit last night. Now Bobby Miller has given up. Just two runs in his last 15.2 innings. And in those outings, 11 strikeouts. His whip last month, Bobby Miller, walks and hits per innings. So this goes to the efficiency, not just you know the explosive stuff. So how efficient has he been? Well, Bobby Miller's whip last month was just 108. His whip, walks and hits per inning this month, is just 109. And it's average against in his three starts so far in August this month, his average against has just been 190. So he's not walking very many people. He's not giving up very many hits. He's throwing secondary pitches for strikes. And he's averaging close to 100 miles an hour with two different types of fastballs. And his slider has 41 inches of vertical break. And it's in the zone 50% of the time. That is as just about as elite as you could possibly get. And that's why we're getting elite results. It's amazing how when you worry about the process and you get everything right as far as how you're pitching, the results eventually come, and they certainly have come for Bobby Miller. How about Ryan Yarbrough? You talk about the day off on Monday, then you only have to use one relief pitcher on Tuesday. Man, not only did you win the battle, meaning last night's game, you also set yourself up to win the war by resting your bullpen, a bullpen that, quite frankly, has been in such turmoil all year long that any time you get the chance to rest your bullpen, that is a huge deal. Ryan Yarborough, 83-88. to 88. Here's another deal. When you have a guy that throws close to 100 like with the type of stuff like Bobby Miller, that's awesome, right-handed. Then you bring a left-handed flipper in that's averaging 83-88. to 88. Can you imagine how frustrating that is for the other team's hitters trying to make those adjustments on the fly going from, some, from heavy velo to a guy with, with not very much velo 
at all, just flipping it in on there. So I thought that effect, Miller to Yarbrough, Yarbrough was, I thought that was a fantastic effect, throwing them back-to-back from the velo, right-handed velo to left-handed flipping. I thought that was a really good effect. I thought that was good strategy. Yarbrough last night had great movement on all four of his pitches. Definitely a strike thrower, curveball cutter, sinker change. Okay, 83 to 88 is what he averaged on his fastball. So, you know, like I said, hey, that that's a pretty cool effect coming in after Bobby Miller got his first save of the season. Since becoming a Dodger, Ryan Yarbrough, ERA 174, okay, two earned runs in 10.1 innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. Average against for Ryan Yarbrough, 143. So this guy has been absolutely fantastic. His whip, too, since becoming a Dodger, just 048. Okay, and like I said, he, he made it to where he, he finished the game, and Dodgers only had to use one relief pitcher. So it was a good game last night. It was a grinder. The Dodgers are playing great, 9-1 and one in their last 10. They've opened up a nine-game lead on the second-place San Francisco Giants. They are 13 over the D-backs and 16 over the Padres. So that finishes our talk on the L.A. Dodgers for this show. But time now to... Turn our attention to the minor league action from last night. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. And let's take a trip down on the farm. The Oklahoma City Dodgers dropped a decision to the Salt Lake Bees, the AAA affiliates of the Anaheim Angels last night, 8-6. to six. They did score six runs, though. David Freitas had a good night last night. And the Oklahoma City Dodgers got off to a quick start. They scored four in the first inning, but could only score one more and one more inning for the rest of the night. They scored two in the seventh, and again, they dropped eight to six on the night for Oklahoma City. They had ten hits, and they scored those six runs on those ten hits. Drew Avens had two hits. Good night for him. He has his average up to 248. He's had a very, very, very good second half of the season. Got a chance to talk to him for about ten minutes the other day just about you know all the different things, the type of season he's had. It's a really wonderful young man out of Alabaster, Alabama. I certainly enjoyed getting to talk to him. Didn't put him on for an interview. He doesn't really like interviewing. I have interviewed him before, but it was very fun to get to talk to him. Miguel Vargas, how about Miguel Vargas? Four for five last night. He's hitting 276 during his stint back in AAA Oklahoma City. OPS last night, 848. And Vargas hit his seventh double as well. Drew Avens hit a double last night. That was his 22nd double. David Freitas hit his his fourth home run of the season last night as well for Triple A Oklahoma City. He had hit one for five. Michael Bush went two for three. He's now hitting 321 on the season. 1042 on the OPS. Believe it or not, Ryan Ward, who has been smoking hot, he did not get a hit last night. Yanni Hernandez had a hit, went one for four. That rounded out to 10 hits for Triple A Oklahoma City. And again, they scored six runs and dropped eight to six to the Salt Lake Bees pitching-wise last night. Mike Montgomery had another outing that went sideways on him. He went five innings, gave up seven earned runs, had six strikeouts and five walks. He has the big curveball, but it's been the control issues, walking too many guys in five innings. He also gave up eight hits. So eight hits and seven runs, six strikeouts, five walks and five innings for Mike Montgomery. Tyler Sear on a rehab. He looked very good last night. There's another guy that can add good depth to your bullpen. We saw that good cutter type pitch earlier in the season be very effective. He went one inning scoreless, had two strikeouts and no walks. James Jones, the big lefty, 
Covered him a couple of times as of late. Two innings last night, he gave up one run, had a strikeout, three walks, and gave up three hits. And that rounded out the pitching for AAA Oklahoma City, who again lost 8-6 to to the Salt Lake Bees, the AAA affiliates of the Anaheim Angels, to move their record to 73-40 and on the season. Tulsa Drillers got a much-needed win last night, 7-2 in Frisco. As they started their series with them, you're seeing Yorbit Vivas here. But, hey, a good night offensively. Ten hits for the Drillers and one, two, three, four, five, six different guys had hits. We're going to cover most of them in our video today. So ten hits on the seven runs on the night. Austin Gothier had a hit. He went one for four, moved its average at double A to 289, but it's well over 300 for the season. He's moved up two different seasons. And there he is, Austin Gothier and Yorbit Vivas. Boy, he has a lot of power. I love the way he swings. He went two for four last night and also had an RBI, got on base three to three times. Usniel Diaz has been the best offensive player for the Drillers lately. He had another multi-hit game. We'll talk more about Vivas and Diaz here in just a minute. Also, Emanuel Vargas, who had a multi-hit game with two hits and two RBIs, was on base three times as well. Diego Cartaya went 0 for 4 last night. So, hey, he did throw two runners out. That looked very good defensively. But the offensive struggles continue for Cartaya. I have seen the extra work that he puts in while I'm doing interviews. He does extra work all the time. This is a wonderful young man, Diego Cartaya, who works extremely hard. He's a great teammate. So, hey, I assure you that everybody is rooting for Diego Cartaya to get the offensive situation figured out with his game. But, again, 0 for 4 for him last night. Josh Stewart, who we're going to talk about here in a minute. You just saw Yusniel Diaz on your left there. He went 2 for 4 last night, and Ismail Acantra had a hit as well. Yorbit Vivas, though. This is a young man. I, I love his swing. Got off to the very very fast start for 2023. Leveled out a little bit. And then he actually kind of had one of those down patches like every hitter does throughout a season. He's hitting better as of late. So Vivas had a double last night. The one you're seeing right here was hit 99 miles an hour. He was on base three times. Vivas now has hits in three games in a row. He has multi-hit games in two of three. And it's five for his last 12 with two doubles and a triple. So Yorbit Vivas hitting the baseball well again for the double-A Tulsa Drillers. Josh Stower is a young man, very powerful young man, very talented. Came to the Dodgers, I believe, last year. He had a couple of base hits for Tulsa. That's his third multi-hit game in his last 10. Stowers has three home runs and seven RBIs in his last 10 games. Got to see. I've seen him about four or five different times in person. I believe he was injured earlier this year, so didn't get to play a whole lot. But like I said, good swing, very strong, talented, outfielder-type player. Has good professional experience, so... Josh Stowers just keeps grinding with the double-A Tulsa Drillers. Yusniel Diaz, who was the headliner in the Manny Machado trade that the Dodgers gave up to get Machado. Hey, they got him back at the beginning of this year. I've told, I've, I've said a couple of times, his first at bat back with the Dodgers and the Dodgers organization hit a home run there at One Oak in beautiful downtown Tulsa. So, hey, the Dodgers have Yusniel Diaz back, and they are glad he has been smoking hot as of late. There is Ismail Alcantara scoring right there. Alcantara is hitting a lot better. There's Gothier again. Gothier seems like he's always on base and always scoring, as you can tell by this video. Diaz had two hits and three RBIs in Tulsa's big 
7-2 win over Frisco. Diaz also has hits in all but one game this month, and he has hits in 13 of his last 14 games. So like I said, he has been smoking hot, and he has been the best hitter on a Tulsa team that has been, quite frankly, struggling as of late. So last night was a sight for sore eyes for the AA affiliate of the Dodgers. Yusniel Diaz has also been on base in 14 games in a row, and he's hitting 405 so far in August. I told you he was smoking hot, so there you go. 405 in August for Yusniel Diaz. It was another great outing for Nick Frasso last night. He went five innings. He gave up just one run on four hits. He had five strikeouts and two walks. So, hey, the changeup looked good. The fastball looked good. The command looked good. Frasso has 25 strikeouts, or he had 25 strikeouts in July to just four walks, and he has 16 strikeouts so far this month. So, in the last month and a half, he has, that would be 41 strikeouts. And he has just five walks this month. So that would be 41 strikeouts to just nine walks. So that's a pretty good, pretty good strikeout to walk ratio there, throwing to Diego Cartaya, who threw out two runners last night. Cartaya had a good game defensively, and Frasso had a good game pitching wise. So another good outing. Not only hate the explosive stuff, but went five innings. So anytime you see Frasso give length, that is always a good thing for the AA Tulsa Drillers. So here are the two throwdowns from Diego Cartaya. I, told, I mentioned in a video about oh, a week or so ago, just the quick release and the footwork of Cartaya. Let me back that up and, and see that again. Okay, and watch out. He just he doesn't really – I mean, he just kind of turns and then throws. So I love that fact that he gets – and watch out. Look how quickly he gets his shoulder square to second base and ready to throw with minimal movement. I mean, he hasn't moved his feet – Hardly at all. So minimal movement on the lower half to get his shoulder square that you saw in a minute. And then the release obviously is very quick to second base and an accurate throw. So I love just the, the minimalization that Cartaya has behind the plate. I saw him working on that in his early work. Uh, last time I was in Tulsa doing interviews, and that was one thing that really stood out was just how quick he got rid of the baseball. So there are his two throwdowns from last night. Very good throws to Austin Gothier. So wanted to show you some positivity on the Diego Cartaya side of things. This dude is working relentlessly to work on all aspects of the game. So rooting very heavily for Diego Cartaya. Releasing my interview and feature with Kevin Gowdy tomorrow. Look at that depth on that slider. That's a really good pitch. His stuff really popped last night. His slider was simply fantastic. There's another really good swing and miss slider. His fastball just seemed like it had a little bit extra hop to it. The slider seemed a little bit tighter. So, hey, he was very impressive for Double A Tulsa last night in his 1.1 innings. He struck out three of the four outs that he got Three of them came via the strikeout. There you saw a good fastball. There's another really – so two different types of shapes to his slider. He has that tighter look, the smaller look, the cutterish look. And then you saw right before that, bigger depth, good arm side movement, kind of a sinker look to his fastball. There's a little tighter movement, a tighter shape to his slider, more cutterish. And you also saw the big depth on the slider for the swing and miss. There's him riding the top of the zone with his four seam. So very good outing for Kevin Gowdy last night, and Gowdy has been pitching very well as of late. He's given up just two earned runs in his last 10 innings, so excited. I was excited to get to talk to him. There's the one with depth. There's excited to get to talk to him. Going to release his interview tomorrow, so be looking for that. Good outing for Ben Harris, who struck out the side in his one inning scoreless last night. We know that 
He, I've talked about how deceptive he is, and that's why, although he doesn't have incredible velo, that's why he gets so much swing and miss and so many strikeouts. Well, he struck out the side last night, and he's given up just one run in his last 10.1 innings. We know that Ben Harris goes on heaters quite a bit, and he is on a heater right now. So great job, Ben Harris. Ricky Venasco, one of the most determined young men. He's had a crazy season this year. You know, he finished last year at Frisco, where the the drillers are playing last night. He started this year in Frisco before coming over to the Dodgers. He was actually on the Texas Rangers 40-man roster. He got DFA'd. Picked up by the Dodgers, and here he is with the Drillers. So you know he had a little bit of extra motivation last night to pitch against several of his different former teammates. And boy, he was really good. Kind of like Kevin Gowdy. Reached as high as 98 with his fastball. So his arm was live last night, and he's thrown 10 scoreless innings in a row. So Ricky Benasco, he has said, look at that emotion, the confidence to end the game right there, the excitement. Ricky Benasco has settled in. Look at that determination on his face right there. Just the competitive edge that he's pitching with right now is very impressive to me. So, hey, I'm telling you, watch out for Ricky Benasco, one of the most focused dedicated, determined, competitive edge type guys right now with very good stuff. 98 mile hour fastball, good slider. Watch out for Ricky Venasco. It was an exciting ball game last night in Lansing as the Great Lakes Loons, they dropped a 6-5 decision to the Lansing Lugnuts to drop to 65-43 on their great season to this point. Hey, I should have mentioned Tulsa's already won the first half division of the Texas League. And so they are going to be in the playoffs. The Oklahoma City Dodgers, a triple A, in the playoffs. Great Lakes are in the playoffs. So it is all looking good as far as the affiliates go. Last night offensively, Taylor Young had a hit. This is Griffin Lockwood, pal. He had a double that you saw here. Taylor Young had a hit. He went one for four. Alex Freeland had a couple hits. We're going to talk about him here in a minute. Yaner Fernandez, he didn't have a hit last night, but he's been playing good offense as well. Chris Newell had a ringing double off the right center field wall. Nick Bittison had a hit as well. He went one for four. Kenneth Betancourt went one for three. Griffin Lockwood Powell here you're seeing right here went two for four on the night. The young man out of Central Michigan. Luis Guerra, who just got brought up from Rancho Cucamonga, played a good third base, made a couple of really nice plays at third base last night for the Loons. He went one for four, and Jake Vogel, who has been very, very hot this month, he had a hit as well. Ten hits overall for the Loons. Five runs, and again, they dropped to the Lansing Lugnuts uh, last night in Lansing so to drop the record to 65-43. and 43. On the pitching side for the Great Lakes Loons, you're looking at Sauron Lau, who this time last year was playing third base for Great Lakes. That's how talented of an athlete he is. He had a good night last night pitching for the high A Great Lakes Loons. But Maddox Bruns, hey, Maddox Bruns looked very good last night. He did give up four runs. It was kind of an ambush situation. By and large, the back foot slider, the breaking ball looked very good. The fastball had good velocity. So can't always look just at results at the minor leagues. Got to look process a lot of times. The process, I'm telling you, if you watched Maddox Bruns pitch last night, you would have been totally impressed. Sometimes you just make the wrong pitch at the wrong time and a guy hits a home run and the results don't look like you want them to do. That's very – look at that tight little cutter slash 
slider pitch for Sauer and Lau. So a good left turn to that pitch. But in my opinion, Maddox Bruns looked very good. And then you have the right turn to the sinker-looking uh, sinker looking pitch of Sauer and Lau. So you have a little bit of right turn for Lau and then the left turn of the slider and a good live active arm. And he is a great athlete on the mound. So Maddox Bruns, nothing to be discouraged about last night, in my opinion. There's the left turn of that slider. And it's five innings. He had, did have four strikeouts. One walk, and like I said, just gave up the four hits. He So he gave up four runs on four hits. Unlucky when those hits came. Unlucky how he got ambushed. Sauer and Lau went one inning. He gave it, it was a crazy inning for him. He actually gave up three hits. The Loons threw a guy out at home plate, and then they also had a base hit with a runner at second that a guy didn't score on, and he ended up giving up three hits, Sauer and Lau did, but no runs, two strikeouts, and a walk. Juan Rio went a third of an inning. Gave up a couple of runs because Mitchell Transky came in behind him. Transky gave up no runs, but he did give up a home run. That allowed the two runs to score that were credited to Juan Murillo. And then Michael Hobbs came in and threw two-thirds of an inning. Scored us at a strikeout and a walk. So, again, it was an exciting game, a good game last night in kind of a dreary environment. It had been raining all day long in Lansing, Michigan. The Loons lose 6-5 to to drop to 65-43 and on the season. But, again, remember, they did win the first half of the Midwest League, I believe Central, and so they are they have already qualified for the playoffs. Rancho Cucamonga Quakes had a good opening to their series with the Visalia Rawhide last night at Visalia. They won five to three on the night. They had seven hits, five. They had seven hits and five runs on the night. Oswaldo Paula had a hit. He went one for three. The Ron Lorenzo went three for four last night with three RBIs. I've talked about him several different times. I love his left-handed swing. Joe Vitrano had a hit. He went one for three. Luis Rodriguez went two for four last night. Vitrano, he is hitting 309 since getting drafted and getting brought up to Rancho Cucamonga. So I love the left-handed stroke. He actually DH'd last night. Love the left-handed stroke of Joe Vitrano. And then Luis Rodriguez had two hits as well. Rodriguez is known to go on heat on heaters himself. When he gets hot, he gets very, very hot. He had an RBI as well last night for Rancho Cucamonga. So again, seven hits, five runs, a five to three win for Rancho Cucamonga. Pitching-wise, Roque Gutierrez got the start. He went four innings, good outing for him. Four innings scoreless for Roque Gutierrez. And again, did not give up a run, had four strikeouts, just one walk, gave up two hits. Liam Doolin, he came in and threw an inning and gave up a run. He had a strikeout and a walk, two hits. Calvin Bautista, good outing for him. He actually got the win to move to three and one on the season. He went two innings, scoreless, gave up. Uh, gave up just one hit at a strikeout and a walk. And then Madison Jeffrey, another good outing for him. Jeffrey got his 10th save of the season when an inning scored us, had a strikeout and a walk. So, again, Rancho Cucamonga, they had seven hits, five runs. They beat the Visalia Rawhide to move to 58 and 51 on the season. So there. So there you have it. I told you it was going to be a busy show today. Three and two in the system. Hey, anytime, like I said, the Dodgers win at the top, that's always a great thing. So hope you enjoyed today's show. Next time you see me will be tonight for Dodgers Dogs with Austin Brubaker. As we go live, go ahead and join that. Come in and join the chat and let's have a good time. That's six o'clock Pacific. 
Also, just a reminder, hey, we are looking for corporate sponsors for a Dodgers Daily show, for a Dodgers Daily website at dodgersdaily.net, for anything and everything we do. If you would like to sponsor, you know somebody who would like to sponsor, just go ahead and leave a comment. You can DM me on any of my social medias, or you can email me at dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com. Again, that's dodgersdaily73 at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to leave a comment, like this video, don't forget to interact with this video, Share it and make sure your notifications are turned on. So as always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and hope that you watch the next episode, which will be on Friday morning. Again, Dodgers Dogs tonight and say, Go Dodgers!